Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Today we are joined by Advanced Planning Senior Wealth Strategist Dave Lybell. Dave recently wrote a new white paper titled Getting the Family Business Owner to Act on Succession Planning, which will be the focus of our conversation for today. Just some quick background on the team. The Advanced Planning Group helps ultra-high net worth families and individuals with estate planning, tax planning, family office structuring, and other planning issues and strategies. Dave is a senior wealth strategist based out of New York City. So Dave, it's great to be with you today here on UBS Conversations. Thank you for dropping by, spending some time with our listeners, our clients. I know the focus of our conversation today will be family business succession. Can you provide some context around the importance of this topic, some background on it, family business succession? Sure, Dan. Thanks for having me. I think it might be helpful to talk a little bit about the scale of the family business sector in the U.S. economy. Approximately 90% of U.S. businesses are family firms, and they range in size anywhere from mom and pop to the likes of Walmart, Ford, Marriott. Uh, There are approximately 24 million family businesses in the United States, representing 64% of GDP, and employing 62% of the U.S. workforce. In fact, 35% of the S&P 500 are controlled by families. So, I mean, it's a huge industry. And another interesting fact is that family businesses actually tend to be more successful than non-family businesses with an overall return on assets that's 6.65% higher than the annual return of non-family firms. So we're talking about a major, major component of the U.S. economy um, and creator of, of jobs. So obviously family businesses and the ones we deal with tend to be on the larger side. Many times, and if not most of the time, and I'll talk about some statistics there, they want to pass that business on to the next generation. Having said that, business succession planning is very difficult. In fact, in a recent study, uh, the number one concern of sizable family businesses was family business succession. And that proves itself out statistically. Um, So we have statistics that 70% of family business owners would like to see the business continue through the second generation. But only 30% actually make it through the second generation, falling to um, 12% in the third generation and a whopping 3% in the fourth generation. So um, what folks want to accomplish, the 70% wanted to stay in the family, and we see even into the second generation, only 30% make it. And so that's why business succession planning needs to be one of the priorities of family business owners if they have family members that they want to continue in the business or if they want the business to continue generationally for the family, even if it's run by professional management. So succession planning, Dave, clearly important for the reasons you outlined for us. You did highlight how succession planning is a difficult task. With that in mind, you wonder how perhaps proactive family business owners are when it comes to constructing and implementing a succession plan. What does that look like from your vantage point? What are the kind of 
obstacles in that context that uh, typically need to be overcome? You know, I think a lot of that depends on what generation of the family business you're in. If you're in the founder generation, many times they don't do any planning and they leave it for the kids to clean up. Um, and that's why you see that the founder generation, although they don't do any planning, the sibling generation, which is kind of Gen 2, they tend to do a lot of planning and try to steward the business on to their children. So Gen 3 is the cousins, sometimes called the cousins consortium. Well, keeping the glue among cousins and different branches of families becomes harder and harder without starting to treat the business as um, kind of like a, a non-family business to a large extent. You have to have all sorts of governance issues. Usually at Gen 3, if the business succeeds to that point, they, you know, they've done a pretty good job of working with outside consultants and, and, and experts. Uh, but, uh, of course, most of the businesses we, st- we work with are, are still the, the first-gen uh, business owners or the second generation. So they have to deal with issues of family dynamics, Who's going to be the next manager of the business? Which child are they going to pick? How are they going to figure that out? Um, So the family dynamics issues become crucial. Also, you have some kids who are in the business and some kids who aren't. And how do you treat them fairly? Does the business go to all of them? All of those issues, along with issues of ownership succession. So I spend my time doing estate planning. And when you're estate planning for a family business owner trying to do succession, uh, there comes a point where you're trying to shift ownership from the senior generation into trust typically for the junior generation. Well, with that, you've got all sorts of issues of, of complexity. How does that get done? Um, issues of giving up control by the senior generation. And when you give up that control, you may be giving up cash flow that goes along with it. And, and, and um, 93% of business owners in a, in a, in a study, uh, it was determined that they're almost exclusively dependent on the business for their cash flow. So you have to overcome the issues of kind of like the complexity of the estate planning. How do you get it started and how do you keep it going? The issues of seeding control, are there ways to overcome that? Because um, business owners love control. And then finally, how do we replace the cash flow if we give away, you know, the shares? And most, most companies now are float-through entities, so most of the distributions come to the shareholders in the form of, you know, well, dividends for corporations, but they fl- actually flow through in the case of S-Corps and, and um, LLC. So if you don't own the shares, you're not getting the distributions. So these make, these are some of the issues along with family dynamics, management succession. These are the estate planning issues that involved in ownership succession that make it very, very difficult. A lot of intricacies here, a lot at stake, and a lot of key decisions need to be made. It could perhaps be overwhelming. How, Dave, through your work, do you make the decision-making process simpler? I started this you know, 25 years ago in private practice, and I can't say my first... Uh, Attempts were quite as successful as they ultimately uh, turned out to be in terms of the later ones I worked on. And the reason for that is most of the time when the business owner comes to lawyers and accountants to do a a business succession plan, maybe there's been a health scare or something has brought them there. 
And then everything is thrown at them at once. And so they have to consider all these planning, giving up cash flow, giving up control, all in one sitting. And what we found is they just don't take the action. And I would call it an analysis paralysis, right? It's too much. So what I found was breaking it into phases of estate planning, like building the trust of the business owner, went a long way in terms of getting this process started. So phases of estate planning, phase one, hit by a bus planning, right? Planning for your death or incapacity, also planning for having adequate liquidity for um, paying estate taxes on the business when those come due, usually at the surviving spouse's death. But nobody's giving anything away. Every document can be changed other than if if the insurance is in the trust, irrevocable trust. And so... All we're doing is kind of getting the business owner organized. Who who are the intended beneficiaries for the business? How are they, their inheritance is going to be structured? How do we deal with the kids in the business versus outside the business? We're not making decisions of who's the next generation to run it. We haven't done anything to transfer ownership. So we find, I find that 99% of the time in private practice, I and even here when we talk to clients, if you if you break it into this phase one hit by a bus planning, we can get virtually every business owner to do a phase one estate planning. Whereas, uh, you know, if, if it's all thrown at them at once, they likely do nothing. So you'll what you'll see is many business owners having three or four missteps or attempts to try to do succession, but they never get accomplished. So break it into phase one. Now phase two. So phase one's hit by a bus. Phase two, everybody needs to do that, and it's fairly easy to get it done with business owners. Phase two is gifting. Now, with gifting, we're talking about ownership transfer. We're talking about who's going to get the shares, who's going to be in management, how are we going to structure it. Usually, it's irrevocable trusts always uh, with larger businesses. So that type of planning where you're irrevocably gifting interest in the business, typically to the next gen, although many times we set it up in an irrevocable trust for the business owner's spouse and the next gen, so the business owner's spouse can get distributions while having the assets still out of both estates. Um, We basically, you know, we're talking about big concerns, and those concerns, and really, they have, have to overcome several things. First thing is control. And giving up that kind of control that goes along with transferring the ownership of the business interest to family. How do you overcome that? Um, secondly, when you give away those shares, what about the cash flow that goes along with them? How do we fix that for the business owners? If we know that 93% of business owners are completely dependent on their business for cash flow, just because you see rich business owners in the sense they have a good business, maybe they own the business real estate, they have a couple of fancy houses and nice cars, doesn't mean they have money in, you know, financial and brokerage accounts or large retirement plans, because most of them don't. They pump everything back in the business. It's what they know. It's where they get the better returns. And many of them are very nervous about actually investing in the market. So we, you know, we have to overcome issues of control and um, issues of cash flow 
Um, and, but we can definitely deal with the phase two planning once those issues are overcome. And it becomes a lot easier to do the alphabet soup of irrevocable trusts um, that help pass the business to the next generation in a tax-efficient manner and avoid a fire sale at the business owner's death. Both very interesting considerations. I do want to go back to one of those concerns in particular, Dave, you brought up that being concerns family business owners might have about giving up control in the context of succession planning, which could be understandable yet harmful to the longevity prospects of the business itself. How do you get business owners to the other side of that? How do you deal with that particular obstacle? Issues of seeding control are, again, going to depend more on the generation of the business. The founding generation is almost always going to be a control freak. They built it. It's their baby. You know, it's tied up with their identity. The siblings' generation and the cousins' generation, we tend to have easier times kind of, you know, dealing with issues of transfer. But when the founders' generation, again, by trial and error, I determined that every business can be recapitalized into voting and non-voting interests. So voting interests are where all of the control are. And so you can set up a company and have 1% voting and 99% non-voting. So the business owner keeps all the control. The um, issue then is that we have the non-voting shares that we can transfer many times at a discount to irrevocable trust to get them out of the estate using your state tax, estate gift exemption and other tools available and do very powerful planning while still maintaining control in the founder who has all of the voting shares until death. At that point, the founder can either leave them to the kids who are in the business or, you know, we could, and then the kids in the business that could be at the simultaneously an arrangement to have them have a buy-sell agreement where they buy out the non-active children because you got to be careful between active and inactive children in a business with voting and non-voting because the, the kids active in the business, if they get the voting, they control the first drinks. Kids not active, they may not get any distribution. So when you recapitalize the business and the voting and non-voting, you have to have a plan for those voting shares at death, and that plan should usually involve the fact that they pass to the active kids, but subject to a buy-sell agreement where the active kids have to buy out the inactive kids at fair market value on those shares. Uh, that ahead. does leave us oh, go you know, ahead, Dave. some Sorry. concerns about cash, yeah, cash flow and things like that. To that point, Dave, as we begin to close out, running with that other concern a bit further, you did mention a few moments ago that the family business owner depends on the business for cash flow. So how do you handle the issue of loss of cash flow if the business owner gives away share to family as part of the succession planning process? So once we overcome control, they're more willing to give things away. But the loss of cash flow is many times an unspoken issue that they don't tell you about because you, it looks like they're really rich. <laughs> they have super fancy houses. They live a great lifestyle, fancy cars, but their money's tied up in the business. So even if they decide to recapitalize, they keep the control. They've still given away potentially some of the distributions. So one of the things that we suggest is that they engage in some cash flow-based financial planning to kind of get a sense of what it's all going to look like going forward, including with the loss of control. 
and, uh, from the gifted assets. And if we find that what they retain and what they have, say, outside of the business isn't sufficient to satisfy their cash flow, we then have this issue of moving away from kind of control-assured income, which is owning all the shares, to more of a contractually assured income. So employment contracts, you know, payments for his board of directors. If we, if we decide to do estate planning now and instead of, a, you know, part of that is a buyout by the kids, we replace the income over an installment sale with the parents. There's usually many times the rents from the business real estate. Maybe that stays in the name of the business owner to get the rents. There's a whole mechanism going from that kind of control-assured income to the contractually kind of assured income. And I think if you can overcome that, you can overcome a control cash flow and you can break the estate planning up into these pieces of phase one and phase two. Phase one might be a period of a few weeks to a few months. Phase two could go on for the remainder of the business owner's lifetime. And as long as they understand that roadmap and they understand we're going to maintain control and we're going to maintain cash flow, as long as those facts are, are, are you know, the business can support all of that. We find that I find that over this period of time, uh, we've been very successful, at least in private practice here. I do less of it at helping the business owner uh, pass the business to the next generation. You still have to deal with family dynamics. You still have to deal with who's going to be the successor manager, but the estate planning becomes a lot easier to deal with. Well, Dave, a lot of valuable takeaways here. I'm sure many of our listeners, our clients can take to heart and will hopefully inform conversations involving them and their UBS financial advisor. So a very productive, valuable conversation today, Dave. Thank you again for dropping by UBS Conversations for the insights into succession planning. Thanks, Dan. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.